WPOB Global Fans, this is the gentleman Elio Canella reminding you to tune into WPOB Global where we will once again scan the globe for the best in professional wrestling. WPOB Global, don't you dare miss it. Hey fans, welcome to another edition of WPOV Quarantine. That's right, the crazy show brought to you by Fallout Shelters Everywhere, our mother's basements, or I guess Raven's Attic. Wherever you want to go, <laughs> you'll find the quarantine people. We're here this week. We got some guests. We're going to be talking some, we're going to talk high flyers this week, folks. And with me on my esteemed panel, the always returning, <laughs> Andy Anderson. Andy, Whether you like it or not, thank you very much. <laughs> Please don't hurt me. And... <laughs> Just, just so the ugly factor does not stay as low as it usually does, bringing in the pretty, we got Raven Lake. Raven, welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> and today's uh, guest, we have Cobra Kai, all the way from the West Coast. Cobra, welcome to the show. I guess we could probably call you by your first name. Is that correct, Cobra? Yes, indeed. All right. Well, Steve, welcome to the show. Now, Steve, uh, people know, uh, they know, uh, you know, Raven, they, they've been on a few times on the show. Why don't you tell people a little bit about the background of Cobra Kai? Yeah, uh, absolutely happy to do it. Um, so uh, I started wrestling in Toronto, Canada. I took my first kind of, you know, in-ring lessons there uh, back in like 2000, like early 2003, maybe late 2002. And then I very quickly realized that I was not the undertaker. So my aspirations were shattered and I got shipped off down to uh, Mexico City. I was there for about a, a year and a bit. Uh, I trained with Tony Salazar at CMLL and as well as uh, Silver King Connect uh, at their, their gym in Mexico City is a pretty pretty good schedule like you know six days a week and uh i trained for about two years before i had my first matches out there and they kind of donned uh, they were you know it's a lucha culture mask culture so they put a mask on me called me the canadian cobra and that uh quickly turned into cobra kai because the karate kid was on a popular show back then sorry and then uh, i came back to north america uh toured all over the u.s stuff like that um pat tanaka kind of took me under his wing at one point and uh, my older brother is also a pro wrestler uh, who, you know, had a huge, huge hand in training me. Uh, he's awesome. His name is Sin Bodhi. Mm -hmm. And uh, a couple of years ago, I moved out here to Vancouver, Canada, which is awesome, by the way. I love this place. And uh, since then, uh, kind of really slowed down on the performance side of being in the ring. But uh, I have uh, started producing some wrestling shows up here in Vancouver. So Excellent. looking forward to quarantine to be over so we can throw another crazy party and I can give Raven Lake a couple of beer tickets to come and hang out with me at the Rickshaw Theater. Excellent. Yeah, See, buddy. I think he did not include you in that. He didn't include you in that. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, <laughs> there's two things that came out of this, out of what you just said that I need to point out. First of all, when you said the name Pat Tanaka, you might have noticed Elio's forehead, like the vein on his forehead start throbbing. Poor Elio's been chasing down... Well, he's been chasing down Pat Tanaka, who's like blown him off at least 20 times and said he'd be on the show, then flaked on him yeah, and said he'd do it. And then, yeah. So I yeah, thought Pat I'd see Elio twitch when you said Pat Tanaka. Yeah, Pat, Patrick, Patrick, <laughs> Pat for sure. Um, you know, famous from the, the very famous tag team, the Orient Express. And uh, he, he's known in the business as a real troublemaker. You know, he's like a prankster. And, you know, as, as a young wrestler, uh, when I first started, you know, like I was under, under, my, under 500 matches still. You know, all these crazy stories about you know Pat Tanaka and Marty Jannetty, you know, getting out on the road doing crazy shit, and then Marty and then you get to witness it. Oh yeah, and then you get to witness it. You get to witness it in real life. And you that he killed anyone. I mean, if he if he did, he'd be the last to know about it. <laughs> he'd be the last to admit it too. Probably. Unlike Marty Jannetty, he'd be the last to admit it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that oh, was man. a crazy story. Anyhow, <laughs> the other thing yeah. I wanted to point out is, is it's funny. I've known Steve for 
quite a few years now. And like seven, six, seven years, yeah. Yeah, and we've been friends uh, enough that I never, I always forget to ever mention who your brother is, even though he's famous. Is I just know you for you, man. Like you know, like yeah. some people like to name drop whatever, but I just know you as you. So I it was just, as you were sitting there, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot who his brother was. Oh, it's a good thing you brought it up. Okay, <laughs> you know, that's cool. Uh, no, I, you know, I, I'll always name drop my brother, um, mm -hmm. and, and mostly. Uh, so he he's a very very active, still active, yes, performer. And, you know, I got a lot of exciting things. So any, any chance I can get, you know, to say his name out loud, if that introduces a new wrestling fan to him and they go follow him on Instagram or whatever, that makes me happy. And also, no, I, if you're a wrestling fan and you're like, yo, I wonder what's new and exciting, go, go check him out. He is, uh, let's just say, unique in a very unique industry. Yes. Is he still doing the freak shows of wrestling thing? I mean, I know quarantine's put a lot of things, but is that still uh, an active uh, thing? Yeah, so he, so he was running a very kind of acid drop style promotion called Freak Show Wrestling in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is where him and his uh, his wife, uh, Creepy Karen, live. And uh, it's, it's, it's a really wacky, weird show. Just it before is. COVID, he'd actually kind of put a bit of a pause on that simply because he didn't have the time to schedule to do it any longer. He is literally mm -hmm. on the road all over the place, California, Florida, you know, Oklahoma, England, Japan. He's, he's all over the place, like constantly traveling full time. Now, so. Andy, yeah. have you ever yeah. seen Freak Shows of Wrestling? I have not. I mean, I, like, I know who okay. Sin Bodhi is, and I mean, I and I kind of know the gist of it, but like, I've never seen a show. Dude, you have not lived till you see Gadolf Hitler. <laughs> Gadolf Hitler <laughs> is the best. He dresses in pink. He's a gay Hitler. It's I the best thing in the world. Just by the name alone, I'm sure I can see where that's going pretty quick. <laughs> and I do believe, Steve, did you not tell me once you wrestled as him just for a little bit when the other guy wasn't doing it? No, so uh, so yes, I did wrestle as Gadolf Hitler, but not because uh, uh, the original Gadolf was unavailable. It's because at Freak Show Wrestling, you know, every wrestling show kind of has their like you know staple match. You know, like WWE has like Hell in a Cell or whatever. Um, and so the, the kind of staple main event match or like you know big you know rah rah match at Freak Show Wrestling was called an Inner Demons match. And uh, that match is akin to, you know, when you're playing a video game like Mortal Kombat. Yeah. And, you know, you're Liu Kang and you got to fight Sub-Zero. And then you fight Scorpion. And then you fight, you know, Kano. And then you got to wait, fight the shadow version of yourself. Liu Kang versus Liu Kang. That's an inner demons match. So the match with Adolf Hitler, accompanied to the ring by the Rainbow Reich, with, versus Adolf Hitler, accompanied to the ring by the Reich stuff. <laughs> Andy? And, uh, uh, yeah, sorry. Go on. And the winner of the match had to do a paternity test. So yeah, it was, it was a fun time. <laughs> you, uh, I love it. Like if you see some of the stuff they have, they have like battle royals with giant snakes, rubber snakes. They're fighting in there, and oh, all just—it's the most crazy fantasy stuff. But Andy, I have to—I will send you uh, back in my days of Gutbuster TV. Uh, yeah, Karen. I, Karen had sent me in uh, a video from them uh, to promote. We did, and. In it, it has a little bit of Gadolf Hitler, and it is the most amazing, funny stuff you've ever seen. Please so, do. Please do. Yes, Only in Las Vegas. Could Only in Las Vegas. Could Gadolf Hitler <laughs> get cheered on from the audience? You go, Gadolf. You the man. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into this week's topic, guys. We're going to talk about high flyers in wrestling. And uh, some people will tell you this is probably one of the greatest innovations coming out of the 80s and 90s. Some will tell you it's the death of real wrestling. I don't know. It's something that I debate in my head because I've seen some great high flyers and I've seen some stuff that have made it awesome. And then I've seen stuff where guys just look unbelievably unrealistic and takes it out of it for me. So we're going to talk about some of that. And I want to start, first of all, some of our favorite high flyers in the history of wrestling. Okay. Guys who innovated, uh, high flying techniques. And for me, I'll just start by the first one, because for me, 
I always say, at least in North America, this was the guy who really turned on high fly and in wrestling, the dynamite kid coming out of Alberta. This was the dude who uh, started it here. And uh, he was something, man. Uh, I think so many people have patterned a lot of what they've done after him. And his is a rugged style, by the way. It took a lot of toll on a lot of people's bodies. But unbelievably awesome to see, but also realistic. He never did something that made you go, oh, uh, really? And unfortunately, as much as I love, let's say, I'm going to use like uh, the Young Bucks today, I do enjoy some of their matches, but there have been many times they do crap where I'm like, really? Like, well, pretty much everyone in the referee helped set that up. Come on. Like, <laughs> well, 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 Tom, let's not confuse a mm-hmm. small guy or, or a comparatively smaller guy. Mm-hmm. Like even at the time, Dynamite Kid, he was a smaller guy compared to everyone else in the ring at the yeah. time. And the Bucks, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, they're, they are high flyers, but at the same time, they're, they're smaller guys. Like, yeah. when I think of a high flyer, I think of someone who, like, you know, almost exclusively goes for like an aerial high flying kind of assault tactic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, like, if I had to categorize Dynamite Kid, I probably wouldn't categorize him as a high flyer. I, well, I, I just put him as the genesis of high flying. He, he was exciting mm-hmm. as all hell. Like, he, he was bringing, he was so ahead of his time for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big component of, you know, quote unquote, high flying is just being ahead of your time, doing stuff that people haven't seen before. So well, why don't we dip back into our bag and let's look into the 80s. Any of you guys, any of you guys have some high flyers that popped up in your mind, even if they're just the start of high five, maybe they're not considered so much today. But uh, Andy, you got a chuckle on there. I'm wondering if you're thinking of the group I'm thinking of because we're AWA guys. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is the name, because the name give it to you. And that's it. I mean, you know, the high flyers. Well, Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel. Yes. You know, back when you could win a match with a drop kick. Yes. <laughs> Which is funny. Sometimes we're going to have to get into a deep look at the uh, evolution of wrestling. Because, I mean, recently I was watching a bunch of Stampede Wrestling. And I've noticed as I'm watching it how exciting it is. But nobody's really doing a lot <laughs> physically. But it's way more exciting than anything you're seeing right now. And it's like, Huh. Okay. Anyhow, yes, the High Flyers, Greg Gagne, Jim Brunzel, grew up watching those dudes on the AW. Yes, you probably couldn't say they were High Flyers today, but they were doing stuff nobody was doing at that time. That's a good Genesis group. Anyone else? Any you know, I'll, 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 I'll jump back in the time machine yeah. even before that and go to like 1950s French catch wrestling. Oh. You can actually pop on YouTube and watch some of the stuff. Uh, and I, I remember uh, sitting down like in the middle of Indiana, nowhere in a locker room with like Bobby Eaton and Tracy Smothers. And they saw my match and they're like, you're mine. This is a little French guys that jump around monkey flipping each other. And, uh, like you know, Eduardo Carpentier and, and those guys. Abs- even. Uh, per- absolutely. Thank you for coming up with those names. Cause my yep. brain does not work. I would have had to YouTube it. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, th- those guys are awesome. You know, uh, you know, very famous spot. You'll see dynamite kid and tiger mask doing some of those early mm-hmm. new Japan matches of theirs. Yep. So it's kind of monkey flip kind of back yep. and forth. And okay. if you watch those old French catch wrestlers, Andy, what was the name again? There was Eduardo Carpentier. Carpentier. Uh, Dominic Danucci was another one that was the kind of that style. Yeah. Oh, unreal how athletic these guys were. And if you were to put maybe not that match on, but any of those segments of that match on today, I think they'd still hold up. Hmm. Okay. Now, as we went into the 90s, all of a sudden, you know, like – I mean, when, especially when it came to tag team wrestling, you got, had guys like the Road Warriors who were like these unstoppable monsters. So it was hard to believe that guys who were smaller and could run around and do all this stuff was any match for them. But then it started mm-hmm. becoming a thing where smaller guys started finally conquering the giants. 
And this is where you see teams like, I mean, you look at the Rock and Roll Express. You know, I was trying to think of guys who made it. I wouldn't exactly call them high flyers, but they did have that kind of genesis, too, of pushing towards that. And it became where guys that moved fast and did some things off the top rope could actually start to stumble some of the giants. Absolutely. What do you get? What do you guys think of the of the nineties? Can you think of some great teams that pop in your mind as high flying high flyer types that you really enjoyed? Uh, I I like the Rock and Roll Express. I'm even going to say the Midnight Express could be up there too because they employed some of those kind of techniques too. Anything else pop in our minds? Uh, you know, I think the quintessential team you said it already is the Rock and Roll Express. You look mm-hmm. at Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. Uh, not only as a tag team, but if you watch some of their singles matches, one of the most intense. You know, and I would call it a high-flying, fast-paced match. Ricky mm-hmm. Morton versus Ric Flair. Yeah. And, again, you can YouTube that. And, like, as a, as a fan, I remember watching that, like, on a VHS tape or something and thinking, holy shit, these guys are killing each other. But then as a wrestler, like, especially, like, you know, like 10 years into wrestling, you know, I'd rewatch it with a whole new set of wrestling eyes, and my mm-hmm. level of appreciation just skyrocketed. But those crazy old men, they're still doing suicide dives and code reds and, you know, that, that weird head scissors, that old man head scissors thing they do. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, I've, I've had the pleasure of being in the ring with both of them multiple times. And, you know, and you hear uh, Rick just say, like, watch flying headlock, scissor boy, legs, my legs on your head. You know, you're like, okay. And, and you just sit there and he just takes you down. <laughs> Andy, anyone pop in your mind? Uh I mean, offshoots of, uh, you know, the previous mentioned teams, but even to say, like, the uh, the Midnight Rockers, mm-hmm. like, with Gennady and Michaels, like, even, again, back into the AWA days. Yeah. And, you know, to do, like, be doing, like, a double drop kick where they're both in, you know, opposite uh, turnbuckles, top turnbuckles, and doing drop kicks and stuff. I mean, that was, yeah. I mean, it kind of follows up with the Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express, but it's still kind of ahead of the time. And, again, like, those were guys that were still not the biggest guys that chopping down the Giants. Hey, uh, Andy, what, what year was uh, the WWF Super Astros show on where they brought in all those luchadors? Uh, that would have been around 98. That was 98. Okay, so late, 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 late. Okay, like for me, that was a big deal. I remember seeing like, you know, uh, Santo come out and, you know, Mil Mascaris and uh, – uh, so uh, what's his name? Taka, 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 Mishinoku. Taka, Mishinoku. Mishinoku. Thank you. Yeah. I use one, I use that type of body slam sometimes. <laughs> the, the Mishinoku yeah. driver. Yeah. Mikinoku driver. Yeah. 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 That, that was an awesome show. That really, that really kind of inspired me to look, look beyond the U S for wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, every time, you know, like it's, I, Mishinoku. Yeah. There was a great, Taka was such a great wrestler. And it's, it's sad that most people in North America will just remember the whole choppy, choppy, PP Kai and Tai thing. The Kai yeah. and Tai nonsense on WWE. But uh, it's sort of funny. He's, he's, he's sort of kind of active still right now at his age. He still makes a little appearances now and then in the uh, lower cards of New Japan. Yeah. Oh, wow. so, yeah. He's, his, a he's a genius. He's a very fun wrestler. Now, you know what? We, we talk about these wrestlers, and as they were talking here, have you noticed that the body type of these guys are kind of smaller guys, okay, compared to a lot of wrestlers at this time? But you know what? I'd almost put in a group here that they weren't really high flyers, but they did start doing a lot of double techniques that were off the ropes and stuff, and they were big dudes, was the Steiner brothers. The Steiner mm-hmm. brothers, um, before Scott decided that, you know, he was in love with steroids, he actually uh, – he actually did a lot of really cool aerial stuff. The Frankensteiner, look who it's named yeah. after. Yeah. yeah. So now we get into this kind of area where oh, it's around 2000 now. 
WCW is on its way out and uh, WWF is becoming the big conquering thing. And we find ourselves at a point where high flyers and it, I don't know, it becomes a less thing. It's more of an attraction. It doesn't seem to be happening on a great scale until the Indies start rising up. And we have that whole area there where the ROH guys start and all these other things. And there are you can disagree. And, and by all means, uh, just, I'll just finish my point was the point yeah, was it sorry. just did, it didn't become I'm not saying it wasn't there I'm just saying it was almost de-emphasized it, it became it was all the rock and it was all the stone cold and it was all the speaking and all the the flash attitude stuff coming up and I just thought it was getting it was there and I'm sure we could point a ton of great wrestlers but I felt like it was not it was kind of downplayed by the major leagues go ahead Andy all right well I think you've for you to not even kind of take that kind of 97 to 2000 thing and be touching on ECW mm-hmm. because ECW, that's where they first started to bring in like Rey Mysterio and psychosis. Yep. And I think, you know, to me, like when we talk about like the high flyers, yep. I'm going to say like Mysterio is probably the best of the best and mm-hmm. probably the one that's brought helping the most attention to the high flyers. Yep. So, I mean, you talk Mysterio, you talk psychosis, uh, you talk super crazy to Jerry those guys in that, in that space there. And then even into WCW, mm-hmm. you know, when you're saying, okay, well, 2000 was just started the downfall of WCW. I think it's, it would be a disservice to not acknowledge that that's really, I think where the cruiserweights, the high flyers mm-hmm. actually got like the first big shot of exposure that, you know, maybe had a bit of a lull or got de-emphasized, but I think, that is, you know, at the, at the turn of the century, when I mean, we can talk about the, you know, whether you want to go back to the 50s, 60s, or you want to talk about mm-hmm. the, the uh, late 80s, early 90s, like that's, I would say that would probably have to be like one of the most pivotal points mm-hmm. for high, you know, for the high flying cruiserweights to, to get that recognition and, and that exposure that uh, kind of propelled them over the next 20 years. Okay, yeah. fair enough, fair enough. I, I actually, I totally agree. Like, you know, while, especially that WCW thing, the kind of mm-hmm. the decline of that, and, you know, you got the NWO and Hulk Hogan out there kind of shitting the bed and pissing all over the audience and Eric Bischoff just taking the crap on everything. You know who stole the show every night? Was uh, Kidman, you know, was yeah. Rey Mysterio, was, you know, uh, yeah, uh, Eddie Guerrero, sorry, yeah. all Jimmy, those Jimmy guys. Yang. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I don't think, you know, any of us argue that these guys, they set the pace for what modern wrestling is now, for sure. Yes. You know, I, I, I wonder, um, one of the funniest stories I have about Rey Mysterio, which and I think is very telling, is, uh, you know, at, at, around that time when Rey Mysterio first started out, he was becoming, starting to become popular. And uh, if you would turn on regular television, wrestling was wrestling. Nobody ever treated it at that time like it was anything but wrestling. You know, you didn't really, maybe Calgary would have in their papers the results, but you wouldn't find the results of wrestling matches anymore on things. The news would never talk about it. Wrestling was wrestling. It was almost like it was separated from sports. Until one day I turn on the show, there used to be this thing called George Michael's Sports Machine. And this guy used to come on every Sunday night and recap all the cool things in sports. Now, we have like those every day on Sportsnet and stuff. But back then, this was kind of a novelty. And it, because it was on national television, uh, if your clip made it onto George Michael's thing, that was a big deal. And one day I turn it on and he's showing a professional wrestler. 
which was the first time he had ever done it. He, and it wasn't a WWE guy. It was Ray Mysterio Jr. And he did a whole thing about him. And it was that moment that I realized it didn't matter what the size of this guy was. He was something. If this many people wanted to look at this and, and I guess it, it was a giant boon for both sides because he was that skyrocketed his popularity, despite the fact he'd only been in America for like, you know, American wrestling scene for like a year. And this really exploded for him. And I don't think that ever happened again. I don't think I ever saw on a national television thing really talking about wrestling unless they were making a joke about it. You know, so our, our do you remember then what was it showing? Was it showing stuff from like ECW then? Yes, he was yeah. doing, it was ECW stuff. Okay. And uh, it was, it was pretty amazing that like, just even think of that ECW at the time was just this kind of small thing at that time. I mean, we make it reverent now, but at that time it was still a struggling thing that was, you know, it would sell out house shows, but you know, they could barely get people to watch it on other things. They were buying as much as they could, shopping it around, but it was so inconsistent. It was, it was the late night TV. It was the yeah. renegade promotion compared yeah. to the big two. And then all of a sudden they're getting highlighted on national television for a wrestler that they had just brought up, you know, and it, it was an amazing thing to see. And it was at that moment that I realized that people could be more than, I guess I, I could see at that time that the WWE was kind of packaging and telling me what I should like in wrestling even if I didn't want to, even if I was going in fighting against it, they were very determined to spoon feed me what they thought wrestling should be. And to see that was kind of, was, a, was an awakening, awakening to see somebody transcend that. So can I go uh, back? Can I go back yes. a little bit? Yes. Go right ahead. Um, we were like, we were just jumping through these so fast. Um, we go back and look at women's wrestling, even in the yes. early eighties. Mm -hmm. um, you could say like velvet McIntyre, Sherry Martel, they were, leaders in some of the high flying how many women are even guys at that time were doing the flying head scissors mm -hmm. you know the double drop kicks all that stuff so don't leave out the women there's a lot of really what, great women high that's flyers. why i have all you guests on here you got to keep telling me this stuff i'm a, hey. I'm, a I'm a small head and a small brain that's what you're getting paid the big bucks for raven yeah hey, who's oh. ready for some misogyny oh. <laughs> <laughs> i got something to say uh oh here we'll we go be class on Wednesday. So no, I think no, if you're going to say it, no. you got to put your picture on there. We've seen your, your, your leather jacket enough. Join the conversation. We got to see what you're looking like. Sure. My, my video here. There we go. Okay. Oh, wait, now let's hear some misogyny. Hello. There we go. <laughs> no, it's slightly uglier. I wish I had like a good, a good lighting, but I have a small dog here. So he's a cruiserweight. Um, <laughs> so, so, uh, you know, I, uh, first, first thing I'll say is uh, my, my girlfriend and I, we actually produce shows together. She wrestles, uh, her wrestling name is Calamity Kate, and uh, she is not a high flyer. She <laughs> likes to stay on her feet, um, and she, she's very talented. She's got a lot of like personality in the ring, a lot of charisma, but she's not, she's not you know, a Rey Mysterio. Mm -hmm. Even having said that, as a non-high-flying female wrestler, she's mm -hmm. up on her feet all the time. She's drop-kicking, she's doing crossbodies, hurricanranas are almost like a staple move nowadays, mm -hmm. as much as an arm drag used to be a staple move. Um, and you know, she wants to develop the skill of, you know, being more athletic, doing things off the top rope, what you would traditionally call high flying moves. And as a, I, I enjoy training. I've probably logged more training hours than most people. And I will tell you this, everybody's body is different. So if you're like a fat guy versus skinny guy, athletically, they're going to be different, have to train differently. And unfortunately, this is not a sexist thing. Most female frames fall into a, the majority of them fall into a, have a different center of gravity and stuff than male ones. Now, that's not to say a lot of females aren't super athletic. Um, you know, I've personally trained with Gail Kim, Angelina Love, Taylor Wilde, uh, Allie, uh, and all of them 
wildly athletic, could run circles around the guys. But having said that, there are certain considerations to be made. So when you do see a woman like Charlotte Flair doing those moonsaults and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like her frame physically has equipped her for that. But if you want to take someone without that natural frame and teach that high-flying move, you need technique. The mm-hmm. best technique in the world down in Mexico, the luchadors. They have a 60-year head start on wrestling in North America. <laughs> they have better yeah. technique than we do here. And if a fat guy like me can do moonsaults off the top rope and blah, 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 it's not because mm-hmm. I was athletic. I am not. I was the guy who did a front roll and knocked himself out cold <laughs> before I <laughs> went down there and learned the time. I was the guy who didn't get it. There's mm-hmm. technique to everything. Everyone can learn these things. And now that, you know, women, that, and not the women's revolution, but they're just, you know, we're wrestlers now. We're not men. We're not women. We're wrestlers now. Mm-hmm. Now they, uh, as, a, as a gender, they're feeling more comfortable. There's less of a barrier to entry into not only wrestling, but into this type of wrestling. And I'm very excited about that when I, when I see Sasha Banks doing stuff and, and uh, you know, all these uh, oh, unreal, unreal. I love it. Excellent. There you go. Excellent. Now, There's a bunch of sexism you're going to get all day. Now, Raven, I want you to get out your uh, your calendar and circle it because we've marked November 5th, uh, the all-women's episode. We're going to oh, deep dive into women's wrestling. We've got enough. We've had enough women guests on now. Hopefully, we can get uh, them back and get – you know, last time we did a women's episode was at the beginning, and we had no women on the thing, which was a terrible, <laughs> terrible way to get into that. But uh, now we, we're gonna, we, we have the technology. We can rebuild it. No, anyways, um, so November 5th, we'll def- yeah, it is. And, you know, uh, Steve said something about big guys in mm-hmm. his little ramble there. No, no offense, I don't mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> big ramble. Welcome, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. Um, but yeah, he was talking about ramble. the big guys and, mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff. Back, back in the day, the big guys weren't allowed to do that kind of stuff. They probably all could do mm-hmm. it, but they weren't supposed to because they were supposed to be the big beast, you know, the big tough guys yeah. or whatever. So it was like a, a bad thing for the big guys to be doing any of that stuff. I mean, you could, like, um, the hell is his name? Big Show. Yeah, That big guy show. can do insane shit, but yeah, they yeah. wouldn't let him do it because he's a giant. Yeah, he doesn't need to. Yeah. Well, yeah, jumping back to uh, the ECW stuff, remember like Mike Awesome doing those crazy yeah. jobs on the top rope, or even yeah. like, you remember um, uh, Easy Money? He was a big yeah. dude. He was flying around. You know? Yeah. yeah. There's been, I mean, it even goes so far as maybe some people shouldn't, too. I mean, we always complain every week about Luchasaurus uh, and his horrible attempt. No at one complains sling. more than you do. <laughs> no, actually, I'm not the only one. Like, Luchasaurus is, Wow. Uh, I'm just saying, on our program, yes. no one more than you. Yes. No, uh, if, Eli, if I didn't have, have Elio muted, he'd, he'd be in there. He, he's on the, we're all kind of on the, we just wish he'd wrestle better, Luchasaurus. That's all we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be on national television. Come on. All right. Um, so, yes. Uh, high like flying. <laughs> you do? Well, yeah, I like him. I actually, uh, we've Elio boot him, him off for, the show, uh, please. No. No, but uh, yeah, nothing makes me more Dr. Claw than, you know, excellent. I like you just so We've actually had him up here in Vancouver. Uh, we do uh, annually, we do a big lucha show. Actually, uh, it's an outdoor show, 1,200 people screaming their heads off for 10 hours. Uh, he, he stole the show last summer, uh, him and a, a local wrestler here named uh, Matt Ecstatic, mm-hmm. uh, really tore it up, had a good, good match. And as well, uh, we do a horror movie theme show in October mm-hmm. at the Rick Theater. Huh. And, and uh, he performed there. And yeah, he just, again, stole the show. Well, uh, him well, and a, a wrestler, uh, a wrestler named Ashley Six, 
had well, what, one of the second thing, matches you ever saw in your life. One thing we always talk about is when we're, we're criticizing these things, we're not criticizing the people. Um, mm. I'm sure Luchasaurus is the nicest guy in the world. Maybe I'd have a beer with him. I don't know. But when I, what I see on AEW no, is, is, is <laughs> not very good. It's not very yeah. good. And if it wasn't for Jungle Boy, uh, their tag team would be very bad. <laughs> so, yeah, you, know, uh, and, and, you know, and wrestling is a collaborative performing yeah. art. And, and a lot of times, you know, we'll see someone maybe not deliver the best performance. And you know, we understand, you know, a lot of times their wings are being clipped from, mm -hmm. uh, you know, forces that we're unaware of, you know, maybe an agent situation or whatever. Um, or you know, maybe he's banged up. Who, who knows? Yeah. But uh, to answer your question, he's not a nice guy. We get along. I like him. Mm -hmm. I like hanging out with him. But I'd say majority of people, he rubs the wrong way. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, we find this kind of thing now. That's an interesting thing. Uh, that's been the underlying thing is there's been guys all through the history of wrestling who you would not guess it, but you're right. The big show was known to be able to do like, you know, flips off the top rope. Look at Brock Lesnar trying a shooting star press. I mean, he screwed it up on Nash the one time he was supposed to Don't do it. Don't say trying it because that's just that one because he did it regularly. In right. No, I was going to say that. Unfortunately, yeah. the one time he does it on the biggest screen, he, uh, he flops it out, so we yeah. never got to see it. You know, most of us never got to see it, and all of us were like, "Why is that big guy doing something so ridiculous to hurt himself?" Yeah. And uh, but, what do you guys think of that? Do you think in this day and age? And I'm going to ask all three of you, okay? If you're like the the guy who gets to decide stuff, do you think that if you're a big guy, you should only do big guy things, or do you th do you think it should be laid out that uh, there's a place for things, or everything open to what you can do? And I want to start off with uh, Raven because you look like you're you look like you're thinking about that one really good. Do you think well, big yeah. man should stick with big man stuff? Does it destroy the illusion of wrestling, or, or how do you see that? What, what do you see? Wrestling has evolved so much now that that it's. Uh, I don't think it's bad for the big guys to do it, but like in everything in wrestling, there's a time and a place for it. Um, I really wish I could remember the tag team. There's a tag team. WWE. I don't know if they're NXT or, or WWE. Um, they're two big dudes with, and the one guy's got a really big beard. The Viking yeah. dudes. The Viking guys. Yeah. The first yeah. time I saw them, I watched that guy do some crazy shit, and I actually popped on the couch. I was like, "Look at that guy!" And the girls were like, "Okay, mom." I'm like, "Cause yeah. back in the day, big guys didn't do that shit." But if it's at the right time and if there, there's a buildup to it, then yeah, mm -hmm. I don't see why the big guys can't do that stuff too. But what on a regular basis, though? I mean, like, okay, go out every match now, Viking Raiders, and do backflips no. and do all those things. No. And why not? Because for the big guys like that, it adds to their repertoire. It's like you tell any young wrestler that's going out to do a match, don't give them everything in one show. You blow your load in one show, and what do you got mm -hmm. for the next show, right? Right. The same thing with the big dudes. If they just all of a sudden, you know, like – I know pay-per-views don't mean much anymore, but yeah. like on a pay-per-view, you know, you pull out your big stuff like that and pop the crowd with a big move, being a big dude, then it's awesome. But if they see you doing that all the time, it's just okay, worthless. Ow. All right, Steve, you seem to disagree with that in a way, and why? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, like, and that's the thing. That's you know, it's, it's a subjective art, right? And mm -hmm. and uh, you know, so you're gonna like certain things and not like other things, and you know, chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, right? Different flavors for different people. But what I will say is if you want to be a career wrestler, if you want to be like a professional wrestler, not like an indie hero or whatever, mm -hmm. you're going to have to have a regular set of things that you do. And those regular set of things, um, if the audience is, you do them all the time. And, and if the audience has seen it before, like the, the, the rock raises his eyebrow and takes his elbow pad off, you know, he's going to hit that people's elbow. The audience mm -hmm. wants it. Having said that, 
if the rock had never done that move in front of an audience before and busted up for the very first time, the audience would still lose their mind for it because he does it all the time and he's so goddamn good at it that the audience is going to pop even if they never saw it before. So I, I think all wrestlers in every match they have, there should be the two or three things that they do and they do every single match. doesn't matter how you get it. There's not a single pro wrestler that doesn't do exactly that. All the other moving parts of the match, yeah, those are all kind of different and modified on the right. fly. But we're talking, about, we're talking about the fact of, say, yeah. you're a big man and yes. you can do those moves. Should you be doing that stuff every night? Uh, you know what? If that's and I'm talking like a noticeably big thing. Yeah, if that's one of your two, three things. Uh, what if you it's know, your 30 things? At this point, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, think, I think so. You know, maybe not Brock mm -hmm. doing a shooting star every match. You know, mm -hmm. I, I agree that's a kind of a pay-per-view-y sort of thing. But that's because of the move itself. Should he go up to the top rope every match? Hell yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Now, you know? I think, and I, I don't know, like, I'll get to Andy here in a second. Maybe this is, but what sticks in my mind is this, okay? It's mm -hmm. cool if you're a great big dude and you do those moves now and then, right? But if you yeah. do those moves constantly, how am I supposed to believe that somebody like the Young Bucks, who are small guys, mean anything? If they're doing the moves, but the big guy who's like 50 pounds heavier than him and six mm -hmm. inches taller than him, is doing those moves how am i ever going to believe that all these smaller guys mean anything well i mean he's that's kind of devalued the, the entire rest of the roster in my eyes because so, then he's the superman and they're yeah. just these peasants who squabble amongst each other two 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 points one point just a logistic point mm -hmm. big show can't go out there and do hurricanranas in every match because people oh. can't take that move from him that's just yeah because it, it is a, it is ballet right we're working together yeah. um having said that when the other side of it is the storytelling you're talking about mm -hmm. and and uh, best, one of the best examples I can think of is Ken Shamrock versus Mark Henry. That's a story where Ken Shamrock had to go in and chop that big man down. And he mm -hmm. did. And it's super believable. Um, so to the Young Bucks or any smaller guy, if you're working a bigger guy, mm -hmm. yeah, you, you're going to have to use your storytelling skills and you're going to have to entertain me. Right. You know, um, you know I, do, I, do I think the Young Bucks can jump onto the big show and give him a Hurricane Rana and I'm going to believe that as a pin? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. If they work on his legs and, you know, whatever and have some interesting stuff and then get there and surprise me and get me on the edge of my seat for it, yeah, of course mm -hmm. I'm going to pop for it like any other human being would. Okay. Andy? Mm -hmm. Raven, did you want to say something? Because you were like, what, like you were kind of, yeah. there was something there. So Yeah. No, go, go right ahead. This is all point of view. It's just your point of view. No, I, I agree with Steve that every wrestler has to have a move set, a certain move right. set. But I don't think that uh, a big, huge dude should be doing crazy high-flying stuff all the time. I mean, if there's one thing that he does that's really cool, maybe it's his finisher that's some kind of a high-fly. Yeah. That's different. That's awesome. But his uh, big guy's stuff shouldn't be all high-flying. That's just my personal view. Oh, yeah, no, I, school, I agree. But I, that's I just... Yeah, I don't think any and of it's the buildup. You mentioned the buildup too, the storytelling. It's a huge part of it. I mean, that's you know, that's that's wrestling. That's yeah. wrestling. But um, I don't know. That's just well, and that's, I guess that's good wrestling. Yeah. Well, I guess <laughs> the thing I was, and I think Raven was thinking the same way, is if you're a super big dude, and you're in there doing all these aerial moves, right? There is no buildup for the smaller guy to be able to do anything because anything he does is going to mean nothing to the guy who can do the triple backflip off the top well what does it mean when the little guy does it to him it's not going to mean much if this guy's constantly doing it there's no build-up there and i guess that's kind of the thing that when they say big guys shouldn't do it i'm sure it means yes there's always good to have one or two moves mm -hmm. that looks spectacular but if you all of a sudden decide you know you're a big dude and you're just going to wrestle like a little guy i think it kind of makes it too unrealistic for the people smaller than you to ever be able to really fight with you well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll put it this way instead. Maybe this will kind of help mm -hmm. clarify. 
There's no such thing as a good move or a bad move, or you right. should do it or you shouldn't do it. It's your ability to execute it that makes it good or bad. Mm -hmm. So if you know the big show wants to go in there and open the match with a couple of tilt whirl arm drags and a hurricane run or whatever, that's a bad execution. Mm -hmm. That's not a good idea. Yeah. But if they if they build it well and it gets and it gets to like a top rope drop kick, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's executed well. There you go. Yeah, so and, I, I, and I think that's the that. difference we were saying, Steve. Is me yeah. and Raven were saying it's good to have a couple cool moves if you can do them. Absolutely. But to base your whole thing when you're a big dude and that's all you're doing, mm -hmm. that doesn't give anyone a chance to build up any kind of story, to be honest. Unless they got a yeah, okay. well, that, that something like that. that. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the same for even like a cruiserweight. Let's go on the opposite end of the yeah. spectrum. You know, the the flagship of cruiserweights, uh, Rey Mysterio. Mm -hmm. He doesn't just get in the ring and start working, running and dropping. He throws punches, yeah. he throws chops, he throws kicks, you know, he chain wrestles, he does everything. Yeah. He does everything. Yes. And, and he executes. So when he gets to that high flying move, uh, it's executed mm -hmm. so well, people pop for it, you know? So I would use that exact same psychology or advice to any wrestler, you know, okay. don't, don't be, don't limit yourself to just one set of things. Like oh, I'm only going to do this. As soon as you kind of give yourself walls and barriers like that, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a fan of setting up walls for yourself, putting yourself okay. in a box. And, yeah. and I, guess, I guess to clarify for Luchasaurus is, it'd be, I don't mind him doing some moves now and then, but they mm -hmm. don't actually come off looking that good on national television when he does them. They all come up like he's barely straggling to do the little man move that he tried to do. And that's what I, I guess I've always been a little down on. Andy, yeah. jump in uh, there. So I, I, you know, a little bit kind of like to build both of what they've said, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I'm, I'm more of an old school guy. So for the most part to me, like the big guys, they shouldn't be, but don't need to. Mm -hmm. um, and I prefer the storytelling kind of, you know, like how Steve said, if it's the bigger guy and he's typically getting chopped down, then that's the thing. Like, why should he leave his feet when just staying on his feet is part of the whole story of mm -hmm. the other guy trying to get him off his feet. So why are you kind of helping with that? And then further to that, you know, kind of talking about diminishing for, uh, diminishing things for the rest of the the roster, the smaller guys. How I mean, it might look really cool and surprise everybody and pop everybody for, you know, a, a big guy to do a moonsault. Mm -hmm. But okay, but if you hit it and you don't win the match with that move, eh, you know, yeah. I mean, it's even more impressive that this big guy is doing it. But you know, it's it's one thing if you do it, okay, maybe maybe he rolls out of the way, fair enough. Mm -hmm. But if you're hitting mm -hmm. him with it, then why is he kicking out? Like to me, like that's, you know, mm -hmm. the guy. Yeah, I totally, agree. I totally agree with that. hundred percent. Yeah. You know, like if, yeah. if Big Show's going to hit you with a moonsault, dude, mm -hmm. they better be getting the spatula and having the ambulance. <laughs> and, you know, otherwise yeah. if, if you're kicking out at two or, you know, unless a partner or somebody's saving you or something. And even if your partner saves you, you still should be getting that spatula. And yeah. Yeah. You're dead. I want to picture, I want to okay. picture Big Show moonsaulting somebody. And kind of like a steamroller running over Daffy Duck. And he's just stuck exactly. on the wheel. The rest is just stuck on the big show's uh, fucking Darby. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or, or, you know, like who framed Roger Rabbit after after the steamroller. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it yeah. kind of pops back up and he's all stringy. Like it's that, <laughs> it's that, kind, of, that, that kind of thing. You know, and awesome so like maybe like, you know, like a WrestleMania pay-per-view, you, you pull out one or two things that are, that are cool. Or you get like the, the rare match where it's like, Big Show versus Mark Henry, where they're both kind of doing one or two little things just to show, you know, mm -hmm. they can do it. And then you get a little mm -hmm. bit of a pop because, okay, cool. But at the same yeah. time, it's cool to pop. It's different shows we can do it. But if they didn't do it, would that be any less, you know, how much more is it adding to, to the okay. match? And, and, and then the last kind of point on that, sorry, the last kind of point on that is 
you know, like even with some of the PWA shows, we've had some of the bigger guys and they wanted to do things. And whether it's, you know, back to what Steve said about the execution for, for timing and how good the movie yeah. is, as I've seen, you know, some guys, some big guys do big moves and the crowd barely pops. So it's like, well, why did you need to? Did you need to? Or if you needed to or you had to, maybe this wasn't the right point. So then... Mm -hmm. You know, or you could have got the same thing from a choke slam or a big boot or something else that, you know, shows off the, the immensity and the size of the guy versus, oh, I want to fly. Okay. Yeah. yeah All I right, now, I completely I'm agree. I think that's a really good segue yes. into, I think one of the big kind of problems with the high flying moves, like, you know, kind of the topic of today, is it a good thing or a bad thing? I think a lot of people go to the well on mm -hmm. high flying moves rather than work. So yeah, I'm going to do a 450 instead of a, uh, punch or whatever because i can't get over with a punch the audience won't pop for my punch but any audience will pop for a 450 mm -hmm. when I land on my it's head that, it doesn't matter it's that instant gratification yeah 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 it's okay. a dopamine dump yeah it's like uh it's, I, i'm a wrestler i like to go out there and work a headlock or a wrist lock for an hour but at the same time i love doing stuff and yep. uh definitely doing high flying moves and getting those cheap pops like that it's definitely crack you know it's like wrestler crack um <laughs> you know it's, it's, it's easy I, it's easy to do it's cheap right yeah. um so uh, I was, uh, I don't remember who said this to me. Uh, somebody smarter than me said this to me. So do your high flying match, do your spotty match, take one of your spots out and throw in a punch instead. The audience pops for it the same way you're working. They don't pop for it. You're just, you're just relying on the move. And the minute your body breaks down, you can't do that move. You're done because you suck. Yeah. Well, yeah. and yeah. I, and sorry, TJ, and I'll just, you know, no, go ahead quick. I mean, and you've seen enough Andy Anderson matches over the past couple of years. Yeah. And for the most part, like, you know, I get people telling me like, you don't do anything. Yeah, but I get them. I get more heat than anybody. Yeah, and yet we're wishing you dead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. they can they can just you know the crowd they, you know they could be Ivan could be announcing and they could say Andy Anderson and the crowd starts chanting Andy sucks. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know. But meanwhile, I'll be like on what it says up here. I'll be a low flyer. Yeah, you get and yet the, I'm you the story. <laughs> you do. <Yeah>. I'm <laughs> on in. Do the storytelling and, and that emotion. Like I said, you get more emotion from like a punch or something like that than and, a flip off the top rope. And you make yeah, a yeah. really good point. Um, I have been to like a gazillion uh, indie wrestling matches, okay? And I've seen guys from many companies all across uh, Canada. And I do notice one thing is when it comes to high flying, the risk here is if you're not believable in your execution, it doesn't matter. I've seen guys do incredible, crazy things where for a second I went, and then I went, oh, it didn't really, like, really? You know what I mean? Yet I've seen guys go in and tear it up and walk out of there going, wow, that was the best thing in the world. And it all comes down to execution, you know? Uh, so many young guys want to try to look spectacular, but then they don't know what to do after they finish that move, you know? One move mm -hmm. isn't enough to carry a wrestling match, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, there, it has become... And you guys are right. I don't know if it's just for that quick clap, the quick pop. Uh, lots of indie wrestlers try and go for the spectacular one move thing to get themselves over. But then the rest of the things don't because that one move just doesn't translate into a whole match. I think part of the, the issue is um, with high flying, the kids that are coming in mm -hmm. doing all the high flying. Now, Steve, feel free to correct me on this because I don't know a lot about high flying. I never was a high flyer, mm -hmm. but the psychology, I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a completely different psychology with it, but I mean, some of the times it's, it, the spectacular moves are not being put in the right spot. 
So they're oh, not yeah, getting 100%. the pop for that move. Like it's, it's probably a totally different, no, it's, no, it can't be a totally different psychology, but no, it's, it's does the anybody same psychology. get what I'm trying to say here? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. A lot of, a lot of newer wrestlers. Um, and I use the term wrestler, not the term worker. Um, and a lot of newer wrestlers, they just know the moves. Um, and uh, the truth of the matter is, you bring me a chimpanzee, I'll teach a chimpanzee how to do wrestling moves. A chimpanzee will get a pop, but it ain't a good worker. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so... Uh, but it so worked for a hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but uh, yeah, I know a lot of guys are cheaper than that. Um, so, <laughs> so like when, when someone goes out there and they, and they put... It doesn't matter what the move is. If it's in the right place, you'll get the pop for sure. And, and uh, uh, another, another friend of mine uh, said a great thing. He said, you can go out there and have a textbook perfect match. You're the face. They're the heel. You work the arm. They work the leg. You know, shine, cut off, heat, finish, whatever. Perfect. Textbook. And the audience sits on their hands and don't give a shit. That's bad psychology. You go out there, start the match with a powerbomb at 450, and you know, you're, you're not really a heel, and that guy's not really a face, and, and whatever, and the audience loves it. That's good psychology. And unfortunately, the only way to really get there is experiential. You, know, you, you learn your basics your first couple hundred matches, but until you, you know, you've traveled around, like, like uh, Andy, you've been all over different countries, you yeah. know, and you walk out to a crowd that's never seen you before, they're still going to cheer boo you if you want them to, because yeah. you know how, how to work them. Uh, whereas a lot of guys here who are awesome local hometown heroes, the audience follows them on Twitter and fucking comments on their Facebook bullshit. They come out through a crowd 20 minutes down the road, crickets, because yeah. they're just relying on their move and they're put in that wrong spot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Don't forget though. You can always get them to cheer for you. If you grab the rope, stomp and go, right? <laughs> no. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I've seen that I, fail so many spectacularly times. That's the, the equivalent of, well, they'll boo me if I tell them to shut up. Yes. I <laughs> got Tommy Shaikh shove. I'm going to be louder now. <laughs> I just want real, if anyone knows wrestling fans, I don't think there's ever been a wrestling fan who went, ooh, do we offend him? Maybe we should show. <laughs> no, anyhow. <laughs> uh, so yes, high flying. And, and you know what? You guys are touching on so many interesting things. And it's, I got to say, there's one time I've really wanted to do an episode where we talked about, because the biggest catchphrase in the world, and people seem to understand it, and a lot of people don't, and there are people who, if I never knew wrestling and I clicked this on and you guys were talking about storytelling and stuff like that, they have no idea really what it is you guys mean. So one day we're going to have to do an episode to explain really how wrestling works, you know, well, expose the business. No, I'll expose the business real quick. We're talking about, do you need these high flying moves? Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think the audience is smart enough to know that like, I'm not really a masked ninja from Mexico. My name's Steve and you know, whatever. And you know, the undertaker is not really from the grave. You know, he's, you know, he's married to the, uh, you know, another wrestler and stuff and likes bikes, but you know, they're admiring the performance. Same way when, when I went and saw Batman, I didn't say, Oh, you know, Keith Ledger had an admirable performance. I was like, ah, oh, the Joker's so effing cool. You know what I mean? Like it suspended my disbelief and the audience appreciates that now. But like having said that, um, it's still the same type of action-y performing art, you know? And, and so if I watch a Die Hard with Bruce Willis, he wasn't doing shooting star presses and stuff onto, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Yeah, John McClane, cowboy, Yahoo, Tiger. You know, but John McClane, he was selling because he was in pain, you know, he was working and he was telling a story. And, mm -hmm. and that's what we mean when we say telling the story, yeah. you're getting the audience to buy into your story or you're emotionally telling. invested. Yeah. So like if Andy punches me in the face and, mm -hmm. and he connects with me, everyone, probably not many people in that audience have probably been punched in the face in real life, but they know what it's like to hit their head on a table or whatever. And this, so they know that pain and they're yeah. kind of empathizing with me and feeling that pain at him stalking me. 
but if he just comes up to me and like limp wrist, you know, he does like three double back lips and then just kind of raises my head, the audience, they, they can't relate to that. There's no, they don't understand it, right? And, and unlike that action movie like Die Hard or Batman, wrestling is, uh, the, you know, the audience is very pantomime. Like they're really involved in what's happening. They can smell you for crying out loud. They can, they can get your sweat on them for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. It's more visceral in that way. They're, uh, as Andy put it, emotionally connected to what they're seeing right in front of them. Now, would you say then, as we're looking at all these high-flying moves, and let's face it, they're getting more and more extreme as the years go by. Yeah. Like we're seeing crazier, <laughs> wilder. Does this re- does it really contribute to the story, though? Does do these things are they a detriment or are they actually a really builder? What, what, Andy, what do you think? And maybe you're too old school in your ways, but tell me, do you think it's too much or is it too little? Is it is it going to get better? Does do these things really tell the story like wrestling is supposed to? Well, you know, again, like I got the old school kind of mm-hmm. mentality. At the same time, you know, I remember even back 20 years ago, like with ECW where, you know, Sabu, another like high flyer, another mm-hmm. daredevil, you know, it was one of, one of those things where I remember several kind of veterans saying, it's like, okay, well, you know, like he's not going to be happy until he kills himself mm-hmm. in the ring. And, and that's kind of still to this day, kind of more and more is how I see stuff happening is, okay, well, you know, like someone's going to do a flip off, off a concourse or they're going out, you know, off the team, you know, at, at what point, at what point, you know, at what point do you stop? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if that'll ever happen. Cause I think guys will always, guys and girls will always try to do stuff, whatever. Um, you know, I, does it, is it too much well, overall? Probably um, I'll default back to, you know, if it's the right time, the right place, and part of the storytelling, you know, maybe a pivotal point in a match or, you know, right at that peak. Um, sure, but uh, but then again, it's, you know, what do I know? Because, you know, we can talk about that, but then, and Steve, you know, you can attest to this too. Like with Mexico, I mean, there's so much of the high flying and lucha, and it's just that's part of the style, and that's, yeah. that's what it is. That's what it'll always be. Um, yeah. Having said that, sorry, if I just, if I finish, to finish the, but with the Mexican style, and granted, I haven't watched a lot of, like, I haven't really seen too much Lucha, like, in a long time, so I don't know how much more of it's become kind of Americanized compared mm, to kind of traditional so Lucha, much. but there was, like, a smooth gracefulness to the Mexican style where I, I think a lot of the more American, you know, non, we'll say non-Mexican um, I almost want to say crash and burn. Like it's a lot more just like hard, like thud. <laughs> mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like just where like, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Mexican is so smooth. I mean, there's such transitions from high flying to move to high flying. It almost seems like a graceful, but that's, but that's even the difference in the, in the style of training. And again, like, I mean, I, you know, I've again, I've not been there in 20 plus years. So Steve, you can probably say, but, but just, I mean, you know, with the amount, like with the shoulder rolls and, and, and whatnot doing that way and, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of bumping to the side versus kind of the American bumps because the rings were a lot stiffer because of mm-hmm. the, the type of style that they were doing. So it just, uh, well, you, you know what I'll relate it to? Um, uh, so the, the psychology is just so much different from Mexico to the U.S., even to Canada, to Japan, England. Very yeah. different psychology in every different country. Uh, you know, I, you know, Andy, you've been there, and they're like, Oi, mate, what do you mean? You get a body slam in this ring. Yeah, fuck, you know, like they're yeah. they think you're crazy, you know. Uh, but a body slam's a staple here in North America. 
And, you know, related to like, if you're an American and you eat nothing but barbecue and burgers all day long, you're probably not going to like authentic dim sum, you know, from like an Asian restaurant. You're probably not going to like street tacos from Mexico. So a lot of, uh, you know, the North American wrestlers would really be, you know, repulsed by what they saw in Mexico or Japan. Like they didn't get it. And when I first went down there, uh, I got shit on by, by everybody. They were like, oh, don't go down there and do that dancey, froofy, roly bullshit, you know. You know what you're yeah. talking about. But, but, you know, when I got there and, and started paying attention, I found their psychology to be, in retrospect, much more believable than North American psychology. Um, well, you, you've been chopped before. Yep. You know, well, let me ask you an honest question. Do you rather take a chop or a back elbow? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, so, so, so in Mexico, you know, they knock a guy down the back elbow. He just pop right up. And, you know, because it wasn't that bad. But you chop that guy, he can drop to his knees, he's going to roll out of the ring, and he's going to pray to God he doesn't get chopped again. <laughs> you know? like, so it's much more real in that way. And, uh, and then, you know, everyone used to shit on me for going down there and, you know, adopting a few things and bringing it up here, not just the moves, but the psychology. And then a couple of years ago, we started to see this, you know, real movement uh, as the cruiserweights were picking up more steam, getting more of the limelight. Uh, we can call it hybrid wrestling. It's kind of a mix of both. You know, some of the moves of Lucha, but the psychology of Lucha mixed in that North American style. And the audience is eating it up and loving every second of it. I'd say 90% of AEW is built on it. The only watchable stuff in WWE is built on that now. And the indies are definitely the kind of the, the spurning ground of like creativity with that stuff. You know, and to Andy's point, you watch it on the indies, you know, it's just not working. Like it's just not going well. Uh, that's because these guys, oh, sorry, I had a phone call. Uh, these guys who are, who are trying to attempt this stuff on the indies honestly have not been trained properly to do these things. They, mm -hmm. they watch on TV or on YouTube or whatever, and they try to figure it out themselves. You know, um, all up and down here on the West Coast, there's a ton of awesomely talented people, but they just haven't had proper technique and training, uh, unfortunately. And if they mm -hmm. did, they get a little bit of insight to that, they just level up through the roof, you know? So, so I, I definitely think that uh, it's a great movement forward. And when you see it not really working, it's because they just weren't, they're not using it properly. It's like a loaded gun, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, okay. you can have an accident with it. Even a guy who's right. awesome, like Matt Seidel, who's done a shooting star press and a sleep, you know, he mm -hmm. botched one just a few weeks ago, if I recall yeah. correctly. Yeah, fell right yeah. off the ropes. Yeah, there's an Aaron Rist <laughs> on that, you know? What was the name of that big guy who fell backwards out of the ring at a RCW show? Oh, yeah. my Lord. What was his name? Oh, uh, no, was it Orion? Yeah, so, so, in other oh, words, okay. I, I, I know his real name. I don't know his wrestling name. Yeah, yeah you, you can, you can it's all about Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so I'm saying, like, when it comes to, like, the danger aspect, you can screw up a shooting yeah. star from the top rope. You can also mm -hmm. screw up getting into a ring. So, <laughs> you know. Now, Raven, have you seen this film he's talking about? Because I will send it to you. Yeah. This guy no, fell over I the ropes getting it. into the ropes. He was, <laughs> was actually here. Mm. I don't know how long ago it was. He was here to do a couple of uh, classes here and stuff. And he actually was like telling people, Hey, did you see that video of that guy that fell out of the yeah. ring? Yeah, that was me. And he was showing us all the video and Wow. Yeah. Get internet famous. Get do it for the gram. Exactly. Do it for the gram. Wait, how much money that brings in, right? Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you got it on the gram, he you know might be an influencer, you know. Hey, I, I think I well, saw you know what? Out of out of all of that though, he makes a shit ton of money on his merch because he actually made shirts with of mm -hmm. him falling Smart. out of the ring. And he is making a shit ton on March, so good on him for that. It, it that popped up. It popped up recently on my Facebook for for whatever. I want to say that I thought it. I saw that it, it had at least three hundred and thirty-five thousand hits or views or whatever. Yeah, that's insane. Oh yeah, show that's show insane. me how many shooting star presses got that kind of exactly. you know, uh, views, right? Exactly. You know, I'll, I'll thought of a ring on my head if it'll get me on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> no, Raven. 
I wanted to ask you yeah. that question. And, and this is just your opinion on what you like about wrestling. Do you feel that um, the high-flying stuff is, it does, does it add, in your opinion, to the wrestling you like to watch? Or does it detract some of it? Uh, is it needed in, in, in your view of what you feel wrestling is? Uh, there's, there's no right or wrong here. It's just what you think. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I will see you tomorrow, asshole. <laughs> you try to catch me. I'll be on the top rope. What are you going to do about Listen, it? Listen, <laughs> I smack somebody in New York from here, so, you know. Yes, the virtual, virtual slap. slap Rick. Yes. <laughs> He's still um, I would say, um, for me personally, it has its own time and place for it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a big fan of a match just being all high flying and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. For me, it's, it's just not the same entertainment of it. I mean, I came in watching wrestling in the early 80s when I started watching wrestling when it was, you know, cool shit. You know, mm -hmm. you believed it because they told a story. And I, like me personally, I can't follow that whole flippy all over the place. And mm -hmm. I like I don't even honestly, when I was roughing, which um, I won't be doing anymore, uh, trying to keep up with some of those guys. Holy shit, man. I get halfway through and I'd be so blown up. I would just sit there and be like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> but I, I just can't keep up. But some of it mm -hmm. is really spectacular and it's awesome. And I think at the right time, the right place, some of those moves are amazing. But a lot of these young guys throw so much into every match. I mean, you're cutting your career from possibly a 20-year career down to maybe 10 because mm -hmm. you're injured so often by a lot of the stuff. It's so dangerous. Look at the Hardys. Yeah. Unfortunately, still going, jumping through ladders. Yeah, they're, they're still wrestling. They're together by elastic bands, but they're still wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you know what it reminds me of? Um, mm -hmm. So I'd be like driving, you know, my, I go to visit my dad and mom out in Toronto and I get in the car with them and you know, I got like on a Wu-Tang on or whatever on the, the player, you know. But I'd turn to me and goes, yo, that music, that's not real music. Listen to the, this is real music. You put on like Mario Lanza or like some old crooner, <laughs> like you know. But then, but then I'm hanging out with like my girlfriend's friends who are a bit younger than me and they're listening to like Tiago and fucking, I don't know, Bieber, Justin Bieber or something. I'm like, that's shit music. Let me put on some good music for you. Let me put on some Wu-Tang, you know. So I think very much the same thing with wrestling. You know, there was a point when, you know, uh, some of the veterans were shitting on guys doing body slams and drop kicks and, and arm drags. Like, yeah, you're doing all them high spots. And now the guys who were just doing arm drags, drop kicks, and body slams are shitting on the top rope stuff. And the, now the top rope guys are shitting on the, the chain wrestling, high flying guys and stuff. And, and it's just a natural progression. You know, each generation is going to be yeah. like, well, when I got into it, it was good. But now it's just garbage. You know, like, back in my oh, day. Yeah, oh, wait, yeah, I'm, I'm, not shitting. I'm not shitting on the young kids. No, I'm not, I'm not saying you shitting are. on anybody, but yeah, no, no, I'm, just... I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying you are at all. I'm just saying that okay. that's going to be, that's going to be the overall. The yeah. 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 That's going to be the overall kind of vibe or whatever from people when you do get some negativity on it. And, oh. and honestly, if, if someone say, I'm, I'm having a hard time keeping up with that match, chances are it just wasn't executed very well. Or, mm -hmm. or you know, like, I, you know, my dad can't understand what, you know, OD, uh, ODB is saying and when I'm listening to Wu-Tang, you know what I mean? Yeah. You can't do the words, you know? It's just, you know, so, um, I, you know, I'd like to say definitely keep that in mind. But, you know, do I, do I think Matt Hardy should be jumping off a ladder through a guy through another ladder every single night? No. <laughs> okay. Now, you know what, um, I'm just going to make a... I'm sure there's tons of wrestlers we could be covering from the 2000s mm -hmm. to now. Uh, if there's anybody right now that you think we should talk about that, because uh, I want to go into next, just some of the, the current 
uh, high flyer wrestlers that are there. But is there anybody that we should we that's not currently wrestling that we should really mention quickly that you just want to nod out say that was a really good uh, high flyer? Like I would think maybe Paul London was a guy that popped in my head as I really enjoyed uh, his uh, high flying antics. Any anyone else that we should cover before we cover the the current guys? Honorable uh, mention of Hayabusa and Sabu real quick. There yeah. You go. Okay. Yeah. Um, Andy? Being a uh, being former Stampede guys, yep. Uh, we would be remiss if we did not mention uh, the late great Owen Hart. Oh yeah, hell yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Brian Pillman. Brian Pillman, yeah. Brian yeah. Pillman. Uh, I just yeah. want to throw this about Sabu. Sabu, um, I you know like being in Canada, we didn't get where I was. We didn't get ECW like first run stuff ever. You know, sometimes on the satellite we'd get some weird Florida thing, and they'd have a few things. But so I didn't really was wasn't very acquainted with him. I've heard all these stories and I heard all the legends. And then when I buy all these ECW tapes and watch him, it always struck me strange that uh, everybody in the ring helped him do his moves. Uh, there was the referee and his manager holding the things. And I'm just like, it took it right out of it for me. Yeah, he did the spectacular thing at the end. But when you have your opponent holding the thing and the referee holding the other thing and your manager holding one thing so you could spend four minutes to set up and do this drop, it was like, he used to move. You're kind of a stunt man. Yeah, he used to move quicker. Yeah, but but, uh, uh, but you know, like a lot of guys like Sabu, you know, so yeah. injury, uh, so yeah, had so many injuries over the years. Yeah, he can't walk right. He needs someone to help yeah. him set up the chair and stuff, you know, and, and plus the pills. But then again, there's wrestlers who didn't do a fraction of that stuff. Like I, I know wrestlers that have taken one percent of the bumps I've taken, but and I'm very reckless with my body. They walk around like cripples. Me, I'm still jumping around. I feel great. So like some yeah. of those older guys, you'll see them. They just you know. <laughs> Wear and tear on the body, man. Wrestling's yeah. not healthy for you, no matter whether you're doing high-flying stuff or just normal stuff. And, and that being said, I should have almost put Sabu on the tough guys list last week because I do recall seeing a match where he did a flip over, came his fingers, broke them, taped them up, and kept wrestling. Oh, well, there's all kinds yeah, of broken stories fingers, all kinds you know, of like, stuff that – Yeah. Yeah. One, one uh, of the little tidbits he passed on to me, he said, everything you do in the ring should hurt you just as much as it hurts your opponent, but you're tougher, and that's why you win. And I love that piece of storytelling. Okay. Mm -hmm. Anyone yeah. else we should touch on before current high flyers? Anything else pop up, guys? I'm sure we go through. We can throw it through, but does anyone pop up right now? Boom, like, oh, why did he say that? I'm waiting for current. <laughs> All right, let's talk current. I'm going to open up the salvo of current, and I'm going to say, for me, one of the guys who I've really enjoyed over the last years, and he's still currently wrestling, is AJ Styles. I mean, yeah, I watched oh, yeah. it from the beginning of TNA, and I was just like, I enjoyed all of his stuff. Uh, he, he's he's a he's a wrestling genius like his yeah. his wrestling use of the roof mm -hmm. he can do everything he can do everything and nothing he's awesome can't say anything bad about aj styles all right uh andy you got anybody in your head uh current current guys current guys aj's definitely one um i'm trying to think just for like how much i actively pay attention for like guys to to stand out um can i can i go independent sure because and, and just because it's biased, somebody I work with, somebody I consider a friend as well. But uh, just for for everything that he does, how he does it, uh, when we kind of talked a little bit earlier about kind of the storytelling, the execution, having stuff make sense, Michael Richard Blaze. I knew you were gonna say. I knew you were gonna say. And, that and just because I know that wrong, you know, and in the yeah. next within the you know within the next year, I I think that within the next year or two, he's going to be WWE bound, whether it's NXT or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I mean, there's there's like. The, the the kid's just 
amazing. I mean, and he can put stuff, you know, and he can put stuff together. And, and don't get me wrong, there's there's times like I mean, I've gone to him after matches because you know he's come up to me and, and I've gone to him and he's like, you know, what did you think? And I'm like, dude, like, did you need to do this or what about this or how did you know? Like, I still still question stuff, but um, uh, for for what for what he can do and and how he's actually able to, you know, kind of mm -hmm. Steve said, you know, you, you can do a lot of stuff if it's executed well and you can tell a story well. And, and he can do that. And that's when he's one where another thing that, that Steve said that made me click for him too is, you know, he can do his stuff in Edmonton or Calgary, but I know that if he went to Vancouver, if I know, he, you know, if he went wherever, you know, within five minutes, maybe less, people are, you know, if he's, if he's a heel, people are going to be crapping on him. If he's a baby face, they'll be getting, they'll be getting behind him. You know, I've, I've been trying to get him out here uh, for a show for a while now. And so yeah. he's like, the date's conflicted. But I'll tell you, I, I not only do I want him here, I'm a big fan of his. We get along real good. I've had the pleasure yeah. to be in the room a little bit here and there. Um, great trainer as well, by the way. Yeah. Um, he believes it, man. Like when he walks through that curtain, not five minutes, one millisecond. He walks through that curtain, the audience is like, this guy's here to fight. Like he, like yeah, he yeah. believes it. Unfortunately, one of the kind of sicknesses in our business is, or in our art is a lot of people just kind of playing wrestler. Yes. You know what I mean? They're not, there's nothing believable about them. But that guy, man, I believe it. Yeah, I'm a big it's, fan. Absolutely. And it's funny because most of our American audience are going to be wondering. We, we've, me and Andy have dro name-dropped him quite a bit. And yeah. uh, one thing I do want to point out is in March, just before quarantine, like the real thing started and all this, we all closed down and everything. One of the mm -hmm. announcements coming out of P, uh, PW Insider was that MLW was seriously looking at Michael Richard Blaze of bringing him in to do some stuff for MLW. And unfortunately, everything fell apart after that because of the – of the thing so he's definitely a, a star on the rise um how about you steve any guys you want to talk about current high flyers absolutely uh you know my my sleeper pick for high flyer of uh current era uh, he's actually a local guy to vancouver here uh he mm -hmm. wrestles for new japan wrestling and his name is el phantasmo yes and let me tell you uh, he's another one of those guys to like if it's up in the air, he can backflip and do this. Like any, any type of high-flying acrobatic move in the world, he can do it as easily as, you know, I can tie my shoes. But beyond that, he can go out there and work a headlock for a day straight, and the audience is still, you know, just revved up and jacked up to see him. He's the most charismatic, well-rounded performer I've, I've had the pleasure of working with directly. And, yeah, and that's and funny that you brought him. Huge career ahead of him. Huge. It's funny you starting you yeah. brought him up now and it's funny because Elio had not seen him before and mm -hmm. I had talked a lot about this guy and then he showed up on New Japan and I think it converted all the WPOV guys to like, wow, this guy is legit. Like, yeah. you know, uh, they, thought I was full, they thought I was just full of shit because I was a Canadian promoting a Canadian, but no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, dude's, got a, dude's got a cool look, got a great, mm -hmm. like his wrestling IQ is through the roof, he's got great style, music, outfit. Uh, J-Cup winner, uh, is like yeah. rookie year there. Uh, he, he Right now, for the New Japan G1 stuff, mm -hmm. he's actually doing like a live Twitch feed mm -hmm. for uh, for the fans and stuff. A couple hundred people log in and watch that. If if you guys want to get to know his personality a bit, log into that. Check that out. Just go, go follow like El Fantasmo on on the gram or whatever, and you'll find it. And don't uh, forget, but, fans, we're doing aftermath where every week we're covering the G1. Me and Elio, every four nights we're covering the what's going on in the tournament, where it's headed, and our picks. Elio actually taught it. Yes, you know, Elio. You, you guys hop on that Twitch feed and, and uh, yeah. converse back and yeah. forth with them. We should. We should. That might be a thing. Yeah, Elio. Elio, you've seen El Phantasmo. Yep. What did you think? I'm a fan. I like him. Come on, man. I told him you could <laughs> talk. Say something. Elio, here, man. Hey, words. <laughs> Phantasmo was uh, I love how he does that whole uh, walking across the top row. 
Well, around the ring, not just one yeah. side. Yeah, like doing the whole ring. Like his whole style, his whole uh, presentation. Very solid. Yeah. I still, I still want those glasses. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. See, people, they want the glasses. They want the music. They like the walk, you know. And, and his wrestling style is, is literally anything you can do, I will do better. Mm, okay. Right, yeah. Anyone else you want to point out? Current uh, high flyers that are really make, doing it yeah. out there right now? So many talented dudes out there, like Ricochets in WWE, um, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. a, a million Will, guys. Like, Will Ospreay. I guess we should say Will Ospreay. Yeah, Will There's Ospreay. a guy who's doing awesome out there. Yeah, I, I think he's like, I think he's like some type of human circus hybrid thing or whatever. <laughs> yeah. you know, there's, there's no reason he should be, any human being should be able to move that well. Like, I'm pretty sure yeah. his matches are all CGI. No, he, yeah, he's un <laughs> unrealistically athletic and it pisses me off. But I, I, I like watching it. Yeah. Raven? You got anybody you want to throw out there that you, you – I know you're not the biggest high flyer fan, but there must have been somebody who grabbed your attention. Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. <laughs> wow, your voice. Like her. Yeah, I thought it was Raven for a second, too. Like, Raven, really? Okay, sorry, go on. Cobra <laughs> Kai. Uh, At least put the dog I, in front of your mouth when you're doing that, so it's not <laughs> – Hello, Raven. Did you <laughs> Dog's cuter. Oh, <laughs> stiff virtual slap. No, I'm not. I'm good at those. Uh, I'm not big on um, on the high flying, so I don't really know a lot of the names. But there's mm -hmm. one guy that was from here that never got the break that he should have gotten, mm -hmm. I believe, and that's Artemis Spencer. Yeah, I've heard this name. I've never seen him. Oh, he is, he's a fantastic worker, his mind for psychology. Um, I'm really glad that he's um, teaching out here too. They're, some of the greatest teachers are out this way, honestly. The schools that are running out here are so good. But anyways, yeah, Artemis Spencer, I mean, I honestly believe if he wouldn't have broken his foot at the time that he did, I think he probably could have got picked up. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, yeah that guy's so got all the, talent, all the talent and athleticism in the world as well. Uh, great, great brain. Yeah, I'm, I'm always entertained watching Artie, for sure. Now, I guess as we wrap all this up, uh, before we do, before I do in the, the last uh, last word, uh, Andy, throw, yep. out your, uh, throw out your plugs for whatever it is you want to plug. Oh, we're really cutting to the end. Okay, uh, plugs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was, like, no final word or anything. Usually, well, I'll do the final word this time. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll sum it up after this one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's we, so that, that's we can't speak again because then usually you know, we, he sums it up and then we try to say some more before we get our plugs in. Yeah. Um, uh, on Twitter at Andy Anderson PWA. Mm -hmm. uh, on the Instagram, I'm that guy TCB two four seven. That's the letters I M T H A T G U Y TCB two four seven. That's just uh, me reliving some the glory days of wrestling and lifting things, picking them up, putting them down and mm -hmm. trying to impress Elio. <laughs> oh, nice. You mean Rick. He's the one who's making yeah, the videos every enough. day. Yes. Okay. Uh, Cobra Kai, push sure. up your, so your social medias. Yeah, you know, uh, hit me up on the gram. Um, all my socials are the same. It's uh, Fight Cobra Kai, all one word, mm -hmm. Cobras with a K. Um, definitely, definitely check out, uh, you know, wrestling stuff in Pacific Northwest, you know. Um, I promote like different shows that we do on my, uh, my IG and Facebook and stuff. Um, and I'll share a lot of the guy's stuff. If they're on my friends list or whatever, mm -hmm. they're probably pretty sweet. So, you okay. know, go check out Bestia 666, Mecca Wall, Clamby Kate, you know, check out Christina Von Erie, check out Artemis Spencer, definitely mm -hmm. check out El Phantasmo. 
Now, uh, yeah, Christina I, Von Erie, that was a good one to throw out there. She yeah, can do awesome. some shit, some high flying. Yeah. She's a phenomenal. Yeah, she's good. One she's of my favorite people inside and outside of the ring for sure. And uh, I, yeah, I, I, I do got to put her. over. Yeah, I got to put over Calamity Kate as well. If you want to be entertained, go go watch Calamity Kate live. Excellent. Now, before I go over to Ray, and of course, Liza oh. and Bambi Hall. <laughs> he, he's working the heartstrings now. Nice, nice. nice. <laughs> Bravo, my friend. Right, Ray and Mike. <laughs> now, now, Steve, you've been using Cobra Kai for how many years now? Uh, pretty much since I started performing. So I guess like, for like 16 or 17 years. Would you have ever guessed that the show uh, Cobra Kai would be coming back and be like the number one thing in North America? Like it's no, been for the last it, month it, or two? No, it, it, it's been, it, weirdly, it's been awesome for me, but I was kind of pissed yeah. off because, um, uh, you know, for years and years, I stole that name and nobody put it together. Like, no, yeah. like, like, you know, one guy, you know, Patton Oswalt is a comedian. Yeah. Yeah. Comes up to me one day, he's like, that's, that's from the Punk Karate Kid, right? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, that's fucking awesome. I love this shit. You know, yeah. but um, uh, otherwise, the only, the only closest thing a fan, you know, like we made a show and the fans start yelling, yo, Joe. Like, yeah, like, Joe. But yeah. nobody ever, you know, I, I had yeah. to get the street, the leg shit started. And now that uh, that uh, YouTube show got so popular and on Netflix or whatever, I'd be like, mm -hmm. are you medium from the karate kid from the Cobra Kai TV show? And I'm like, yeah, they got it for me. And I said, <laughs> my, my, my gram is like older than the TV show. And I've convinced many stupid people that they stole the idea from me. And, and no fear that is a work. No fear of the Netflix lawyers knocking on the door with a restraining order saying, oh, hey, this is our name. <laughs> I stole the kid. Yeah. Yeah. Stole the kid. <laughs> it's Russian. Fuck off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cobra Kai from Soviet Union. All right. Raven Lake, <laughs> if you could throw out your, uh, your um, Instagram, Twitter stuff. Uh, Facebook is Raven Lake. Uh, Twitter and Instagram are both the same at RVN Lake. Okay. And for her extra adult content, you can go to her OnlyFans page. Oh, oh he's dirty. <laughs> there you go. What the fuck, Bambi? I swear to God. I did nothing. I did nothing. I'm sitting here. Steve's okay. over there. This, We've never met prior this. to today. We've never talked prior to today. I've, I've known Steve for an hour, hour and a half. Listen. That's the last time I want to see that shit. <laughs> That's it. You I'm cutting it off. <laughs> All right. Now, the reason uh, I, I didn't, uh, the reason why this is the last wrap up is because uh, I realized as I was debating all this in my head, this whole thing about uh, high flying versus non-high flying. Uh, is it good? Is it bad? It was a hard thing for me because as the more times I put a check in one box, I put a check in another box. And uh, it came down to me to, I can think of some of the greatest wrestling matches I've seen. I can think of some of the most exciting times. Yes, I've seen so many high flyers doing so many crazy moves. I've seen things that I couldn't describe to people. I've taken film, which we've used on pages, which have got thousands and thousands of hits just from in an hour watching some guy do some crazy thing. But in the end, I look back at what wrestling in my life over watching wrestling for 40 years, uh, what sticks out the most to me? And what stuck out to most to me was all the old stories I used to remember from, uh, from Stampede Wrestling. And when I went back and started watching these films, there barely was anything. People didn't jump off the ropes. People didn't jump over the ropes. And yet the fans were deliriously happy or angry or into it. Today, I can turn on a show from watching AJ Styles do the most incredible stuff and three quarters of the audience are eating popcorn or talking to each other. What does that tell you? I don't know. It does tell me sometimes that maybe just the move isn't enough. 
Maybe the spectacular thing isn't enough. Maybe it takes a lot more to actually reach people. What does it do? Maybe there are guys who do that with wrestling. Ray Mysterio has been a guy who seems to be able to take incredible moves and make you feel it, feel him. But then there's also guys who do incredible moves even more than Ray. And you don't remember their faces or their matches or much about what happened five minutes later. Is high flying uh, the greatest thing, the worst thing? I can't tell you that. It's just a part of wrestling. It's wrestling is growing and changing and maybe it's, maybe it's a big circle. Maybe in 30 years, nobody high flies anymore. And then 50 years later, it's back again. And who knows, but it's just a part of what's there. And I guess what we can keep hoping for is guys who can make you feel what they're doing, no matter if they're standing still jumping through 13 ladders or setting themselves on fire. If they can make you feel it, that's what real wrestling I guess is. So I want to thank all my uh, guests for coming on this week. Guys, it was a fun time. Uh, this is what I enjoy, talking some good wrestling with some good people. And uh, you guys' insights, awesome. I appreciate every single point of view here tonight. And fans, I hope you guys have your point of views. Please feel free to write us uh, at WPOV Quarantine. Tell us if you agree, disagree. Tell us your point of views. That's what we're here for. And uh, we want to thank you all. And we will see you guys next week. And I think next week we're going to talk – uh, the greatest rivalries in professional wrestling. And we got some lineup uh, guests for this one. And it's going to be a fun one because let's face it, we always remember the really cool things. And yes, Andy, my big pick will be an AWA one. <laughs> 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 All right, fans. Thank you very much for tuning in. We will see you next week. Elio, you okay. big talker. <laughs> Say goodnight to the good people. Right, fans, who have talked to you all next week. I'd like to have right now is for all you quarantined, social media using, YouTube commenting, keyboard warriors to keep the noise down. While, While I, I show, show you who brings, who brings the, the best, best in wrestling, wrestling podcasts. podcasts. Hit, Hit the, the music. music.